Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like building grid-scale solar energy in Ohio and producing gas with fewer operational emissions in Texas. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. As a professional welder, Shayna Ford uses Forge FX to practice over and over, which helps her improve her skills. The more muscle memory that you have, the smoother your weld is. Learn more at meta.com slash metaverse impact. Through 25 seasons. Hey! 4,561 episodes. I believe The Oprah Winfrey Show was one of the greatest classrooms in the world. I really never thought of it that way. The aha moments, the breakthroughs, the LOLs, the connections, the occasional ugly cry. I miss him so terribly. I miss him every single minute. The moments that mattered. The eye-opening life lessons. Never allow them to take you somewhere else. I'm bringing them back. It's time to open the vault. I've personally chosen these classic episodes to share with you again. Every single person you ever will meet shares that common desire. They want to know, do you see me? Do you hear me? Does what I say mean anything to you? You are listening to The Oprah Winfrey Show, the podcast. It is a story dominating the headlines, many of you have been tracking the fate of three American hikers captured in Iran and held against their will. Finally, last week, some good news. After 14 months, one of them has been set free, and she is here today for her first television interview. Here's how this breaking news has unfolded. On July 31st, 2009, three American hikers, Sarah Short, Shane Bauer, and Josh Fatal left this hotel in northern Iraq for a vacation trek through the mountains. Somewhere along the Iran-Iraq border, they strayed off course. Suddenly, their three friends were surrounded by Iranian soldiers who accused them of illegally crossing into Iran. They were arrested on the spot, thrown into prison, and declared American spies. Tensions between Iran and America were already at a boiling point in the wake of Iran's nuclear ambitions. Back in the States, their families waited in anguish. Days and weeks passed in silence. Finally, last March, seven months into the ordeal, a phone call home. It was Sarah. She was alive. In May, another ray of hope. Iran agreed to let the hikers' mothers visit their children. That's when Sarah's mother first learned of her living conditions. Sarah spent 23 hours a day in solitary confinement, blindfolded by guards when she needed to use the bathroom. The brief reunion was tense and disappointing. Then last month, for only the second time, Sarah was allowed to call home, this time with alarming news. She had a lump in her breast. Iranian leaders were finally ready to make a deal. Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like updating turbines at one of our Indiana wind farms and 
producing more oil and gas with fewer operational emissions in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Welding instructor Alex DeClaire knows VR training platforms like ForgeFX help students master their skills. There's a big learning curve with welding. Virtual reality simulates that exact muscle memory that they need. Learn more at meta.com slash metaverse impact. Sarah could leave the country for treatment, but the price would be heavy. A half million dollars bail. Last week, after nearly 14 months in prison, Sarah boarded a flight to Oman, where she was reunited with her mother. Welcome home, Sarah. So tell us, how are you? Well, I'm feeling so many things, you know, it's... Everyone keeps asking me how I am, and really, I, since I've gotten out of prison, I'm really kind of numb and a little bit in shock. Mm-hmm. I, I really didn't expect to have to leave without Shane and Josh. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, right now, everyone keeps asking why I'm not crying, and I think I just feel so much strength because I feel so determined about what I need to do right now. And what do you need to do, do you feel? I just need to keep up with my pleas to the Iranian government Mm -hmm. and the religious leaders to show the same humanitarian um, gesture, the same compassion for my friends, because they don't deserve to be there one minute longer than I do. Mm -hmm. You know, they committed no crime. Why were you let go when you were let go? The judge told me that I was released on bail Mm -hmm. because I was in solitary confinement, Mm -hmm. which is a more difficult sentence. Um, and so they said, because of my solitary confinement and because I'm a woman, Iran is proud of the fact that it's more lenient with women. Mm-hmm. And you had been, have you, had you been in solitary confinement from the first day? From yeah. the very first day? Yes. Was that the hardest for you, do you think? Yes. Mm-hmm. And in many ways, it was the hardest for Shane and Josh, you know, because they had to see the damage that it was, that it was doing. How often could you see them? The first two months, mm-hmm. I didn't see them at all mm-hmm. um, because that was the investigation period. So they kept actually Shane and Josh separate during those months. All three of us were in solitary confinement for the first two plus months. Mm-hmm. And then we had um, a half an hour a week for a few weeks. So you were in by yourself for 23 hours a day? Well, the first two months, 24. 24. No break. No break. Didn't wow. see them. I was still allowed to go outside blindfolded and walk around in circles. Mm -hmm. And even when you would go to the bathroom, would they blindfold you? Yeah, every time I left my room. How were you treated? Well, I mean, just, you know, being thrown into a a box, having committed no crime, having no idea in a million years that that would happen to me, you know, that alone, being in prison, is, you know, a horrible experience. So we have a picture of you, you all, the night before. You and your oh, you fiance do. the night before. Yeah, that's a, my friend. Um, my friend's wedding in Damascus. Mm-hmm. We left the next morning mm-hmm. for our so trip. So tell us why were you hiking there? That's what we're that's trying to. That's a good understand. question, right? Yes. Um, not many people really are informed about northern Iraq. 
Um, it's a lot safer than the rest of Iraq. There's tons of tourist information online. Many people from all over the world travel there. So there's no know? fighting there. There's no fighting there. There's wonderful museums and um, you know, amazing food. And most importantly, it's a very unique culture, Kurdish culture mm -hmm. in the region. Mm -hmm. you know, I came to the Middle East because I'm fascinated by the region and I, wanna, I wanted to be more of a bridge between our country and that region. You so know? Did you have any idea you had crossed into Iran? No, of course not. Yeah. We were staying in a hotel and we asked, where can we go hiking? Mm -hmm. And um, they told us this place, Ahmedawa, is the tourist site for Kurdish families where the waterfall is. Mm -hmm. And there were hundreds of families there. We took a bus, mm -hmm. we got off. There's hundreds of families that um, eat and camp overnight and kind of celebrate by the waterfall. Mm -hmm. So we camped overnight with all these families. Mm -hmm. And then the next morning we asked, there's like a small stand to, for like breakfast and tea. And we said, which trail is good for a hike? You know, we, it's beautiful here, green mountains. Where should we go hiking? They pointed out a trail to us. And, you know, maybe three hours later, is, um, we saw soldiers. And we um, had no idea that we were even near Iran. So the three hours in, the soldiers show up and say, what, you're under arrest? Yeah, you know, they started to speak to us in Farsi and we were extremely confused because I speak Arabic from living in Damascus and I taught there for a year um, and lived there with my fiance. And so we were confused. We were like, Farsi, this is unreal. And then they said, you know, they told us that we had to come with them. And, and that's when you were taken. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. The important thing for me to say about the arrest too is that there was absolutely no indication of a border, you know? No signs, we didn't see a single person, mm -hmm. no flag or building or fence, you know? The way you would imagine a border, mm -hmm. we were just on one trail. Mm -hmm. And so I have no way of knowing where that border is. When you is. cross the border. Or if. Or if you cross the border. Yeah. border. Yeah. So what were your living conditions like? You were brought into the prison and yeah. were you brought immediately into a prison or? No, we, um, we were driven around Iran for a couple of days and a interrogated. Yeah, they were kind of, we switched hands several times and we spent the night in a small prison, kind of in the middle of nowhere. And um, the first three days, we just thought, this is impossible. Like, you know, we did nothing. We're tourists, they're gonna let us go. You know, they kept telling us, we're gonna let you go, we're gonna let you go. This is nothing, we're just checking up on a few things. And so it just wasn't, it didn't hit me until we actually arrived in Tehran and that's when we were separated for the first time. And that was one of the most devastating moments, you know, because they just tore us apart and threw us into three different cells. And I screamed and screamed all night long. And that was when it hit me that we were in prison, you know. Why do you think you're accused of being spies? I mean, there's absolutely no evidence of any kind or any basis for that accusation. That's really painful for me. You know, I mean, in the beginning, they told us again and again for the first six months, they told us you're not being charged with espionage. They t and I believed it. And Tell me, sir, what happens when one day passes, then a week passes, then a month passes? Are you thinking in terms of we'll be rescued, this is gonna be resolved any minute? And then when do you stop thinking that? Yeah, I mean, I think in the first two or three months are the most terrifying. You know, every day I woke up and I just, that this is impossible, this can't be real. There's a kind of denial that happens, you mm -hmm. know? Tomorrow I'm gonna wake up and this is just gonna be over, you know? And then you have to come to terms with reality. And, um, you know, you can never be comfortable with the idea of being in prison for years. It's just impossible to accept. So there's always hope soon, 
soon. Yeah, I but think the hardest, was... though, is, is solitary confinement. I didn't mean to interrupt you, but solitary confinement, where you are literally just alone in a... How big is the cell? About eight steps by five steps. Mm -hmm. Enough room to, you know, I had a bed and a place to exercise. But there was a moment that it hit me that this was going to be, you know, possibly a bigger deal than I, than my worst fears, which was that my, you know, we had two months of investigation, and there was a moment when my, my investigator said to me, Sarah, the investigation is over. And he said, you know, I could continue asking you questions, but we've been told that the investigation is finished, and at this point, it's become political. And it really doesn't matter if you're innocent or not. This wow. is bigger than you. And it just, it hit me that I was part of something much bigger than myself, something that I didn't deserve to be a part of, but I was a part of it. So all along, you're not allowed to speak to your family? No. The first phone call, I think, was month seven. You know, I, I begged and pleaded and cried because the worst thing is, is thinking about, for me, the worst thing was thinking about my mother. I mean, my whole family. Mm -hmm. But my mother and I are extremely close. She raised me alone. Mm -hmm. She's a wonderful, wonderful woman, and she, she needs me. And I just thought about her her terror. And I'm sure you're thinking, she's a wonderful, wonderful daughter, and she needs me. And she needs me, yes. <laughs> yeah. Oh, there yeah. you are. <laughs> so you were thinking about her terror, and she's thinking about your terror, mm -hmm. correct? Yes. Mm -hmm. And so what was that first phone call like? Um, well, it was incredible just to know that she had, could have that relief. Mm -hmm. And, and it, was also, it was also really difficult, because I felt I didn't have a lot of hope at that time. And I heard her, the hope in her voice, and I was happy that she had hope, but I didn't have hope. And I didn't, I just couldn't help her. So nine months ago, Shane proposed to you in prison. Yeah. Yeah, that was a special moment. <laughs> that was one of the best. You know, we saw each other at that point um, an hour a day. I was going to say that was during one of the, one of the hours yeah, that you got it, a day. So it's a small outdoor court. and. Um, I usually came out and saw Shane and Josh, and we spent that hour together, you know, in a circle holding hands. Almost every day, we just hold hands. And I heard you all would sort of dress up on Friday nights or try to perk yourselves up yeah, for Friday yeah. night. Yeah, we had date night. <laughs> <laughs> for an hour. Uh, yeah. uh -huh. The only way I could make myself look a little better was um, some jelly, some strawberry jelly on my lips. Mm -hmm. That Gloss. just a little something. Makes your lips look bigger. <laughs> <laughs> of course, I didn't have a mirror, so I had no, had no idea even what I looked like in prison. But, but were that you night, allowed to bathe regularly? Were you at least did, allowed yeah. to be clean? Yeah, and I think some prisoners don't even get that, so mm. a shower a day. You were know, you tortured that, or mistreated? Well, solitary confinement is, is severe mistreatment. Um, and, you know, the guards, there's good guards and bad guards. There's some guards that just hated me because... And for whatever to reason. you regularly, yes. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Reports say really... you were released for health reasons. Is that true? Was there a lump? I, you know, I, I did find a lump in my breast, and uh -huh. that was extremely terrifying for me because I didn't get any medical attention for um, many months. And even when I did, I wasn't allowed to talk to the doctor, so I couldn't ask any questions. No you mom. weren't allowed to talk to the doctor? Yeah, I wasn't allowed to ask any questions. Or... Because? Because they told me that. <laughs> And so... It changes I, how you feel about freedom, I'm sure. Yeah, it does. It makes you a lot more grateful. I mean, I think in prison, it became clear to me what's important in a way that has never been clear in my life. And my relationship with my family and um, Shane's family mm -hmm. um, and my relationship to God really helped me.
get through prison in a way that... Um, you have a lot of God time. You have a lot of time to think about what God means to you and yes. what God wants from you. And, you know, we talked about that a lot together. So after a year passed, mm -hmm. had you lost hope or were you more hopeful? You never give up. You know, I, there was only one day in prison that I really gave up, that I just didn't get out of bed, didn't eat, just cried, didn't even, you know, mm -hmm. didn't even speak to the guards. And um, after, I had to pick myself up because I had to keep going for my mom mm -hmm. and for everyone else that loves me. Mm -hmm. And that's really what, and for God, and that's really what makes you not give up. Yeah. BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022 by making investments from coast to coast. Investments like building charging hubs for fleets of electric buses in California and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. As a professional welder, Shayna Ford uses Forge FX to practice over and over, which helps her improve her skills. The more muscle memory that you have, the smoother your weld is. Learn more at meta.com slash metaverse impact. Well, we have heard you say upon your release that you were only a third free. So you're saying that you don't intend to enjoy all the things that you could in life until they are free? No, very few of them. Mm -hmm. um, you know, we had so many plans together from we want to go on a boat, go whale watching. I'm not even going to have a glass of wine until I'm with my fiance. I'm just like, I'm here only for them. I consider it to be a privilege that I'm here and that I can help them. Are they happy you're out? Very happy. They're happy yeah. you're out. Sarah's mother, Nora, Shane's mother, Cindy, and Josh's mother, Laura, are all here. Nora, what have the past 14 months been like? It's been a roller coaster ride emotionally. Uh, there have been moments of terror when I didn't know how Sarah was and imagined the worst. Um, there have been hopeful moments when we got information that maybe it would be any moment. Uh, it doesn't feel over. It's only partially over for us and we have to double our efforts to get the young men out too. Well, Cindy is Shane's mother. What are you being told is next for your son? We have not heard anything beyond Sarah's release. We really don't know if there's going to be a trial, when there's going to be a trial. So we're really in the dark, which is very a, a very familiar place for us to be. Mm. Yes. And so when was the last time you heard from your son, Laura? Well, I saw him over four months ago. I do not get letters. I do not get phone calls. But I write to Josh every day, and I write to him what I do. I give him hope. I uh, ask questions that I know will not get answered, and I uh, tell him things that I think would make him energized and happy and uh, realize he's coming home to mm -hmm. a nest that, and a family that can't wait to grab him and hug Is him. Is he allowed to receive your letters? Yes, we're very grateful for that. Mm -hmm. He does get our letters, Shane gets letters, Josh gets letters, and Sarah you got letters. their letters, mm -hmm. yes. Yeah, very few, but you know, that's what gets you through it. Mm -hmm. I mean, one of the main techniques they use for punishment in prison is isolating you from your family. Mm -hmm. And they also try to separate us from each other, you know, from interrogators trying to tell us that Shane said something or said this and not to trust each other. Mm -hmm. But um, Divide and conquer. Exactly. Yeah. This is the biggest separation for me. And in a way, I'm, I'm really still fit being punished because they still have that power to hurt me, you know, until, until they can't do that anymore. So you don't feel free as yet? No, I don't feel free. 
it's just not what I expected it to be. It's not what I've been dreaming about all this time. Mm -hmm. It's a big disappointment for all of us, mm -hmm. but it is a step. And I understand that when the mothers came, that after they left, you were, that was more difficult for you than ever. Tell us why. Because, um, you know, it was the most time I had been around human beings. Mm -hmm. it's, you know, I think we had six hours one day and six hours the next. Mm -hmm. And then all of a sudden I was in solitary confinement again and I knew that I was only gonna get an hour with people again for who knows how long, how mm -hmm. years, I had no idea. Mm -hmm. And so that, I just really broke down because they had hopes that that was the end. Well, even though you might be numb, you seem like you're holding up very well. Yeah. You, yeah, there's a to. lot of strength there. Yeah. There's a lot of strength there. Keep your strength. Wow. Thank you all for being here. Thank you. Thank you mothers. Thank you, Sarah. Thank you. You are free. Thank you. Thank you. If you are a woman online, you need to hear this story. More than 50 million Americans visit Craigslist every month to find everything from lawn furniture, jewelry, concert tickets, companionship. My next guest had never been on Craigslist until the day she saw this. A quick warning, because this is not a story for young children. The pictures were taken off of my MySpace account. Two of the pictures were of me in a bathing suit. Last December, a wave of panic washed over Sarah the day she logged onto the popular website Craigslist and saw herself in a classified ad. The caption read, need an aggressive man with no concern or regard for women. If interested, contact Sarah. When I saw the ad for the first time, I was terrified. What Sarah didn't know was that her ex-boyfriend, Jebediah Stipe, placed that ad using her identity. I called the police, but unfortunately there was nothing they could do. So their advice to me was to contact Craigslist and have them take the ad down, which I did. But it was too late. At least one man had already responded. The morning of December 11th, I walked up to my house like I would normally do. Within an instant, somebody was behind me and they grabbed me around the shoulders and pushed me inside the house. His words to me were, you wanted an aggressive man, bitch, here I am. I begged for him to stop. He then proceeded to blindfold me. Sarah tried to fight back, but her four foot 11 frame was no match for her male attacker, who bound her wrists and ankles with rope and ripped off her clothes. At that point, he started penetrating me vaginally. He then started penetrating me anally as well. I thought he was done, so I tried to move and he told me that he was serious. If I did not stop trying to get away, he would kill me. For 30 agonizing minutes, he viciously raped Sarah, at one point using a metal knife sharpener from her kitchen. Sarah finally stopped screaming when she felt a knife against her throat. He turned me onto my side where I felt a liquid run down my breasts and my stomach. As he was getting up, he said, now try to get out of that, you dumb bitch. 
The man who raped Sarah was 26-year-old Ty McDowell, a married father of two, who worked as a radiology technician at the local hospital. Ty told detectives he thought he was fulfilling Sarah's rape fantasy. 911, what's your emergency? I was just raped. The 911 call in this case was one of the worst I'd ever heard. You could just hear the absolute terror in her voice. He's a white male, and he had a cold wedding band on. And he wasn't wearing a condom. He tried to slit my throat. Are you, are you bleeding at all? And he used one of my kitchen knives. Sarah had the worst injuries I've ever seen on an assault victim. She was sobbing and trembling, shaking uncontrollably. This is the actual diagram from Sarah's injuries. And as you can see, she had so much injury that I ran out of room on the paper. I feel that pain all the time. It is something that I will never forget. And I can still remember every detail that went along with it. Sarah's ex-boyfriend, Jebediah Stipe, and her attacker, Ty McDowell, both pled guilty to sexual assault. They were each sentenced to at least 60 years in prison. Sarah. <laughs> Sarah is speaking out for the first time today. How are you doing? I have my good days and my bad days. Mm -hmm. I learned that this is something that I can't change and it's not a bad dream. Mm -hmm. And I'm trying to move forward with the rest of my life. Why do you think your ex-boyfriend put that notice on Craigslist about you? He was very angry that I had become engaged to my fiance, Ian. Mm -hmm. Ian is here. And Ian is here. Mm -hmm. And he just kept telling me that he didn't think I was ready to get married. And... I believe that he wanted Ian and I to break up. Mm -hmm. And he felt that if I was severely hurt, mm -hmm. he, Ian would leave. And he could become my knight in shining armor, and I would turn to him. Did he express this to you, or is this just your theory? That's just the way I, th I think. Um, he thinks, yes. After mm -hmm. the attack, I had received several text messages from Jeb telling me that he would always be there for me. Mm -hmm. So the attacker raped you. He then informed Jebediah, your ex-boyfriend, that he had completed that act. Yes. And your former boyfriend, Jebediah, texts you yes. saying, I'm here for you if you need me. Yes. Did he mention the rape? He did not specifically mention the rape but he used words like this or how are, how are you doing 
after all of this has happened. Mm -hmm. If you need somebody to talk mm -hmm. about this, mm -hmm. let me know. And there, other than the attack, there was nothing else. There was no this. There was, there was no, no this. So tell me, when you found out that your ex-boyfriend had gone on Craigslist and put that notice saying, if you're not concerned about a woman or a female and an aggressive person, what did you think? I was terrified when I first saw it. Mm -hmm. And at that point, I had contacted the police. The police, yeah. And I contacted Craigslist, and they took the ad down the next day. Mm -hmm. And after the ad had been taken down, I didn't believe that I was in any more danger. Mm -hmm. um, you I'm, weren't aware that people had already responded. Right. Yes. Later, while I was still in the emergency room, my fiancé, Ian, had gone back to the house to get my glasses. And there was a second man standing in the living room um, with a camera set. He, and he was asked why he was there. And at that point, he said that he had received an email from a Jay Stipe. And when we found out that, it... So a second man had also come. According to the police report, 161 people responded to that bogus Craigslist ad. 161. That must be terrifying for you. It is. I was only aware that... 20 people had actually responded, and he had set up several dates and times for people to come to my house mm -hmm. and do this to me. Wow. I never imagined that there would be people like that out there that would hurt others. Mm -hmm. I hear you've been hurt by some of the reaction of the people in your town who actually sided with the attacker. Yes. I know that sounds unbelievable. And the attacker admitted that he did it. The attacker admitted that he did it, saying he thought he was fulfilling your rape fantasy. Yes, I, several of my coworkers have actually said that they feel really bad for Ty, that he didn't know what he was doing, mm. was wrong, and that he shouldn't have gotten punished as severely as he did. Mm -hmm. I know what happened that morning. Mm -hmm. So and even people who in your town know the story and know that your ex-boyfriend put this on Craigslist and had these men contacting him to, to come and rape you, they still really are implying in some way that you asked for it. Yes. Yeah. There are still several people that don't believe this actually took place mm -hmm. and that I was a part of something. Mm -hmm. Why did you want to come forward now? Because up until today, the world didn't know your identity. I want that power back. I want people to know the truth as to what really took place that morning because the media obviously has not released all of the details. Mm -hmm. And I want people to know the truth 
And by that, I also want everybody to be aware of what can actually happen. Mm -hmm. I had my pictures that he had taken on my MySpace account. And he took used, the pictures off the MySpace account and put them on the Craigslist. Um, I also just, I want women to know that you can have the strength and the power to overcome something of this sort. Yeah, it is a horrible thing that has happened to you. But that isn't who you are. Right. Yes. And you know that isn't who you are. Yes. So it, you don't have to carry it forever. It will be it. something that I will always remember. Mm -hmm. But I will move on from it. Mm -hmm. And I can become a better person because of what has happened. And it does not define the person that I am. Good for you. Good for you. <laughs> That's what I want you to know to know that inside yourself. Well, the Wyoming Attorney General cited Sarah's case as a horrendous example of how the internet can be misused. And uh, last week, after coming under fire for sexual ads, Craigslist permanently removed its adult services section from their US website. So that's a good thing one good thing that happened on that website. And authorities say crimes like Sarah's can happen on any social network. So it's not just Craigslist. And what you said about your pictures and your information being out there, the FBI recommends that you don't post photos or personal information online. I know that's a tall order uh, in this socially connected society of ours, but it seems like everybody has their picture online right now. But once those pictures are posted, they're really no longer in your control. So think about that and think about Sarah's story. Just a few months before the attack, Sarah got engaged to her boyfriend, Ian. They're getting married next month. And um, <laughs> congratulations to you both. Thank you, Sarah. Thank you, Ian. Nine years ago, Lauren Manning made the news in the wake of September 11th. She was a Wall Street mom who had just barely survived the attack on the towers, suffering burns on over 80% of her body. Fiercely determined and filled with the love and support of her family, Lauren defied the odds. She never gave up the painful fight to get better. When we spoke to Lauren nine months after the tragedy, she'd become an inspiration to people everywhere. You are a true American hero. At that time, Lauren told us she had one regret. I so very much would like to have more children. Um, that's, I think, the thing I most feel that they've taken from me. <laughs> Look at Lauren today, nine years later, looking more beautiful than ever. And after years of trying, Lauren and her husband Greg's dream has come true with the help of a surrogate. Jagger Thomas Manning was born October 22nd. We really wanted to add to our family. Uh, so many had been taken, and we wanted to bring another soul into the world. Hi. I call him Houdini. He is truly our magical baby. 
I've learned to give myself a break. Never let up. Never stop reaching forward, but do it with patience. And what I've realized is that it's it's okay. It's okay to dwell in the moment and uh, just soak it in. Feel the happiness. Oh wow, Lauren! That is you look great, and your really essence defines what it means to be a survivor. So thanks. Thank you so much for participating in that. Everybody, thank you for watching today. Goodbye. I'm Oprah Winfrey, and you've been listening to The Oprah Winfrey Show, the podcast. If you haven't yet, go to Apple Podcasts and subscribe, rate, and review this podcast. Join me next week for another Oprah Show, the podcast. And I thank you for listening. Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like updating turbines at one of our Indiana wind farms and producing more oil and gas with fewer operational emissions in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America.